Welcome to the Crawling Around My Brain podcast. I'm your host, Graham Brown. Pleasure to be with you at T minus three days to Christmas here in the year of 2023. And I thought, what better Christmas present can I give to my loyal listeners, uh, listeners from coast to coast in Australia and now even in India, than a discussion about one of my favorite Christmas movies. But before we get to that title, I want to first introduce my guest, who is also one of my favorite people, and that is my wife, Meredith Wardy. Meredith, welcome to the program. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Meredith, it's a real pleasure. I know that you have been just so anxious to get on this podcast, just chomping at the bit, trying to find a way to get on to the Crawling Around My Brain podcast. Would you say that's accurate? Um, well, I do think that it's it's a long time coming to have a woman voice speaking on this podcast. I'm not sure that I'm the best woman to do it the first time, but I'm happy to be here. Yes. So you are speaking for all women now oh, on yeah. this podcast. And you are here with me today for a very special presentation of the Crawling Around My Brain podcast as we discuss the classic Christmas movie, Four Christmases. Yes. Would you consider it a classic? Let's just start there. Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I, I think there are a lot of good things. Oh. Hmm. I've tripped you up with this one right <laughs> off the bat. No, no. This does not portend no, no, uh, no. to go well for for ninety minutes uh, as I've booked you out here. But okay, so I consider this one of my favorite Christmas movies. I will acknowledge that it might not make everyone's top five list or maybe even top 10 list. But when you hear Christmas classics, what are some of the movies that come to mind for you? Oh, thank you for asking. Okay, I was thinking about this. To me, this is in no particular order, okay? I would say A Christmas Story. Great movie. Great movie. I'm embarrassed a little bit to say this, but I think if I'm speaking for all the people, which I obviously am. No, you're just speaking for all the women we've decided, not for all the people. Okay. Well, then I would like to say that probably Love Actually should be in the top five Christmas movies. Okay, A Wonderful Life. Classic. Classic. Christmas Vacation. Classic. Classic. And Home Alone. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a really solid top five. I like your list. I can see why this one doesn't make your list. Now, I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. That's really So I would just swap that out, although some people consider that one of the best Christmas movies of all time. Okay. For four Christmases. I think I'll consider that a fair and equitable swap. Oh, wrong. I no. think we should agree on but that. But this one, this one is definitely, it has a lot of what what I want to see in a Christmas movie. It's funny. It's lighthearted. It has a happy ending. It feels very festive. So I'm with you. It can be a number six. Okay. And now for the folks at home, this is a little bit of an homage to the Rewatchables podcast hosted by Bill Simmons on the Ringer Network in that we're going to use the categories from the rewatchables to frame up this conversation. I think that that's uh, important because as we've been discussing this movie, it can feel like we're just taking it from the start of the movie and going to the end, which to the listener doesn't seem the most interesting or creative way to dissect this instant classic. Is that, is that, uh, are you prepared to go in that flow? Yes, I'm happy to. 
Are you prepared to hear me trip up over my words like I just did for the remainder of this podcast? <laughs> okay, now, I would just like to say, before we get too uh, deep into the categories here, that this movie actually has a 5.7 out of 10 uh, on IMDb and only a 25% Rotten Tomatoes score. <laughs> Does that surprise you? <laughs> that is... Uh, maybe it's a little bit low. A little bit low. <laughs> okay. That is, 25% is really some, some, I don't even know. I'd say esteem territory. But, I mean, that's terrible. Uh, yeah, I don't think the, that Rotten Tomatoes is the most reliable anyway. But, okay. yeah. Well, that's in a whole other podcast. Okay. But let's just go and start here. For those who have seen the movie, congratulations. You know you've seen a classic, an epic. For those that have not, we're going to... Sp- have a lot of spoilers on this podcast so if you would prefer not to listen to this well you know shame on you however uh it's totally understandable go watch the movie come back and then listen to the podcast so that's only going to commit yourself to about two hours and 15 minutes of four christmas uh four christmases here at the end of the year but anyway to summarize the plot as i saw it on one website it is summarized as a young couple tries to spend a family christmas but both their parents are divorced, so the young couple would have to organize at least four separate lunches. That was the no. reason. Is that no? Is that what you incorrect. understood? The okay. So, what? How would you describe what the plot of this movie is? Okay, we have a young couple. That's fine. Mm. They try to get away with not seeing their families over Christmas, and they dream up these lies about where they're going to do some good for people. And actually, they go on these like elaborate um, tropical vacations. Mm. And this year in particular, they can't go. They get stuck at the airport. It's televised. And they, because everyone knows their home, they have to go and they see all their family and all these adventures (laughs) ensue. Right? Wow. If I was a studio executive and that was the pitch, <laughs> you would have lost me about seven minutes ago. Uh, but yes, oh. okay, it's basically about this couple who both are from divorced families and they wind up having to spend Christmas with them, which they'd rather not. So they wind up having to go to four Christmases, the dad and mom on each right. side, okay. and all wackiness ensues. I would say that's basically, okay. basically that's it. it. Okay, now, um, are you ready to dive into our categories here with us today? So yes, again, again, we're going to use the rewatchable categories. We're going to pepper in a little bit of our own stuff, our own flair. Uh, and uh, I've asked you to remain quiet so we don't pick up any background noise here while we're doing the recording. I just want everyone to be aware of that. Um, I'm just kidding. Okay. All right. The first category in the rewatchables is what is the most rewatchable scene in the movie? Go ahead. No, please. Okay, you want me to go first? Uh, I, I. Who do you want to take it first? When you said go ahead, I should yeah. have just said, okay. That's right. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so there's a lot of great scenes in this movie. I could really pick any of them. Um, I would pick the taboo scene. So this oh. is the scene where you have Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn's character is going to Vince Vaughn's mom's house. And what are the character names? We should probably we should probably catch that at some point during this. But I'm just going to call them Vince and Reese because that's you know they're like friends to me. Uh, Vince is a very good friend. So anyway, 
we're now at Vince's mom's house and he is already dealing with a lot. He's got his UFC loving brother, John Favreau is there. who's very funny. Um, we've also got his mother who's now dating one of his friends from home. There's some very funny interchanges around like, hey, kids, can I get your gas money? And he's like, mm-hmm. I make much more money than you. That's very funny. That's all very funny. And then they play Taboo. And I feel like they do an amazing job of capturing just how frustrating playing that game specifically. But any game where you're playing with your girlfriend or spouse uh, or partner and it's it's not working. Okay, a couple things. Here. Okay, go ahead. First, Brad and Kate. So Thank that's you. good that's, to know. That's correct. Also, just for your wider audience, this also happens in our life. So do you want to say what what they do in the game? <clears throat> they have to press a buzzer. There's a timer. Yeah, yeah. For those who haven't played Taboo, that's, that was going to be another follow pod where we did what is Taboo, the board game. But basically... That doesn't sound like a good one. You Go have ahead. five. You have five words, I think. There are hidden behind a plastic thing you have to try to get your partner to guess what the overall word is without using any of those five keywords right and in this scene brad vince vaughn gets upset with his mother and two things happen that is often repeated in our home one she's buzzing and she's saying "Mm, can't say that Mm, can't say that in our lives I'm often saying, "Eh," can't say that if someone says something incorrect. And also, which is very good, um, Graham, would you say that you, on occasion, act like Brad acts in this scene where he melts down? Yeah, I wouldn't say that that's a bad thing, though. I think that Um, in this movie, he actually says something specifically where he says, I don't have an attitude, I've shut down. Oh, yes. And he's more than justified after listening to his uh, girlfriend tell a lengthy story about going to spring break, (laughs) which has nothing to do with the actual uh, card. And he knows that this is not going to be a very fun game for him. So anyway, I think that's my favorite scene just because I feel his pain in that moment. Okay. What is your favorite scene? My rewatchable scene is when they visit his father's house, the first house that they visit, and they are attempting to install the satellite on the roof. Yes, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall inside the house, shouting instructions to the brothers who are up on the roof. And then in this, you know, climactic moment of the scene, Vince Vaughn holding the satellite falls, pulls the cord from, I guess, these staples that are around the perimeter of the room, and destroys the room and falls off the roof. Yeah. There are also some amazing lines that Robert Duvall is saying in there about how he's not going to let the satellite provider installer come over. And there's some things I'm not going to say on this. It's a family podcast. But yeah, that that is a great scene. And you know what's funny that you mentioned that similarity between a Christmas vacation is that feels like physical comedy outside of like maybe Will Ferrell nowadays you just don't see it in a lot yeah. of movies. Oh, yeah. And that scene... That's maybe why I love that one. That scene it's has a really lot of physical funny. comedy. You it's have really the, funny. You have the UFC brothers who mm-hmm. are just, like, body slamming him and really, like, wailing on him. Uh, and then you have... Which one of them is Tim McGraw, which is funny, and then you have Favreau. And then you have the kids who are beating him up, and then he's falling off the roof with the satellites. There's a lot of physical yeah. comedy there. So That's a good one. Very funny. Okay. Any other scenes you wanted to call out here? I mean, there's That's a lot. That's my choice. Okay. 
The second one is what is uh, the Neil McCauley a Book About Metals Award for best line from the movie? So what is your favorite line from the movie? If you had to say. Oh. I can go if you'd like me to go first. Okay, you go first. Okay. <laughs> We're losing the silence is just tough. <laughs> I'm just we can we can ask <laughs> producer Lucas to edit some out, but uh any deep thought, just try to fill it with some words. I would say when Vince is at the airport and they're trying to get away and the weather in San Francisco, which by the way, very accurate representation of the weather in San Francisco. It is awful having lived there for three months. It is a, a nice place or apparently used to be a nice place, but the weather has always been awful. Three months. I always thought you had lived there longer than three months. We're Just learning a lot of things. Three months podcast. felt like an eternity. Because it seems every time you talk about it, like it was a long time. You were could it there. rain in a place and be foggier than and it is in San Francisco. Anyway, uh, so there's a line where he's talking and, and the, um, the gate agent who's played by Ralphie from A Christmas Story, Peter Billingsley, mm. who's friends with Vince, uh, which we might get to a little bit later. But he says, I'm sorry, sir. You know, I'm just dealing with the weather here. You know, I, I don't make the weather. I'm just dealing with it. We can put you up at the Radisson. And Vince Vaughn says something like, Oh, wow. Would it also be possible to take us out to Sizzler and get us McDonald's for dessert? You know what? I'm going to start missing flights more often now that I know this type of red carpet service is available. That seems that's to me like that's probably one of the funniest lines. Okay, great choice. (laughs) Thank you. My choice is much later in the movie when they are at the church Mm. that kate's mother goes to and there's like a sort of a strange relationship between or maybe they're dating and it's not strange enough, between kate's mother and the pastor yes anyway kate and brad get selected to be mary and joseph and they are on stage and kate is having a meltdown mm-hmm. and brad is saying swaddle this baby and then after he does himself he says very loudly, this baby is a blessing to us all. And that really is such a funny part of the movie. So that's my choice. That is funny. You omitted the part before where he says something like, unfit mother swaddle oh. this baby, <laughs> which right. I thought was also very, very good. That's a good choice. I think I think we can go with that one. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the best line. Okay. okay. What's aged the best from this movie? I think what's aged the best from this movie is that there's some movies you watch and they're older movies and unless they're iconic, like, mm-hmm. um, for instance, like A Christmas Story where it's taking place in like the 1940s, right. the fact that there's no like technology, the believability is totally out the window. So for instance, I've seen a lot of memes about Home Alone being like, nowadays it'd be like, Kevin just texts his mom, says, mom, you left me at home. And they're like, no problem, we'll turn around and get you or whatever. Like, it, the problem is easily resolved through the fact that we now have the technology and this movie there's enough of there's enough of that it feels like it was filmed in two it was released in 2008 right so it's pretty old movie at this point but it doesn't feel dated so actually what i would say has aged the best is just that the movie itself um, was made in such a way that there's nothing that makes it appear like old you know okay that, so i don't know if that's yeah if that counts you said that last time we watched the movie i agree yeah. with that i think i would say what I think makes the movie last is the comedy of it. And one of the things that you and I both said when we recently watched it was that this kind of movie with these jokes would probably not be made today. 
And so I don't know if I'm answering your question by actually not answering it because I, I, I think that's what makes the movie funny and last is that it is genuinely funny and maybe a little more esoteric than people would be really excited about in 2023. I agree. I think that's what makes it funny to me. Um, but what I, I would, the next category is what's aged the worst. Mm. I think, you know, there's a couple lines throughout the movie that, that I genuinely laugh at that are funny, but that just probably wouldn't sit well with an audience today, you know, particularly Robert Duvall describing his ex-wife in one, mm -hmm. in one moment. And there's a couple others that are just like, they're just a little bit on the border now that I don't know would play as well today. So I'd say that that's probably aged the worst. Okay. I agree. All right. Excellent. Okay. Uh, the next category here is the Dion Waiters Award for Best Heat Check Performance. This is for those that don't follow Bass. So this is about uh, maybe a, a person who has a scene or a part in this movie that really like owns that scene and kind of steals the scene, if you will, like a heat check. Um, or someone, yeah, or someone who's maybe like over the top, basically. So who I would have be, mine. go for it. Okay, I think in the scene where Vince Vaughn visits his mother the husband the mother's husband steals it he is so good and he is a, a spoiler whatever but he is vince vaughn's childhood friend he is perfection he acts perfectly i love it he I, steals it i think i totally agree so you're talking about patrick van horn who plays Daryl in the movie, and that's Vince's childhood friend and now dating the mom. Acting like this father figure, offering, as you said, to get his gas money, saying, oh, it's so nice to see you kids. I mean, he just does it perfectly. I agree. I feel like he owns, he owns the scene, and that's a funny one, too, because it's a little bit of a wink and a nod because he was in Swingers with Vince and John Favreau. Um, and he is, this is probably the first time I've seen him since that movie oh, was made. So to see him back there in this position, and he just nails it. He's only on screen for like five minutes, right? But it's he, so memorable. But he, yeah. and he steals it. I would also say that Katie Mixon, who plays Susan, John Favreau's wife, um, but she's, oh, she's probably crazy. in too much of it to get the Dion Waiters Award. But I mean, she's hilarious. Oh, I think so. She's hilarious with the appetizers at the dad's oh. house, with the baby, you know, she, with the eating of the wings and playing Taboo, her uh, repartee or with her rapport, rapport with John Favreau. Very funny. Yeah. Um, but I agree. Let's give it to Patrick Van Horn. I think you're right. I think the husband. He's... Because he's in it for less time and he really has a big impact. Yeah. Totally agree. Okay. The Joey Pants That Guy Award. So there's, there's someone in the movie who you're like, oh, it's that guy that he's in like a bunch of movies or you see him around, but you're never quite sure. Like, you know, he's not maybe the star, but he's in a lot of different things. I would say for me that this is um, the gentleman from The Office who is in the movie. Now, he's not really a that guy because he got a lot more famous, you know, than he was probably, obviously, probably prior to the office okay but you have um what's his name brian baumgartner i believe oh yes he is the co-worker um one of vince's co-workers oh yes and they're standing there talking about what they're like, gonna what do they're gonna over hire. the holidays yeah and he plays eric in the movie so his name is brian baumgartner uh and he is in the movie very briefly but to me he's he's a that guy 
Oh, well, then mine it doesn't qualify, probably. I was going to say Tim McGraw. Oh, interesting. Because at first, at least for me, he's a little bit hard to place because, you know, he's wearing this um, bandana over his head and he's acting so unlike you would think that Tim McGraw would act. And so it's a little bit jarring. And then you realize it's him. And then it's like such a thrill to see him acting in this funny way. So that's my that guy. So which one is better? Yours probably, even though you just... No, I don't know. I think Tim McGraw, because I'm sure a lot of people watch the movie and don't necessarily understand or like they're like i know who that is but i don't know why i know who that is right, right? so I, i'd actually say tim mcgraw probably oh. is a winner because i actually yeah. think that brian baumgartner um is probably much too famous now that people wouldn't be like oh that's just a random guy they would definitely know him from the office so mm. I, don't, I don't think it's that he's that guy okay who gets the ruffalo hannah rubinick partridge overacting award was there any overacting or like you know, just go really like, going for it. Oh, I took over acting as a, like with a negative connotation. Yeah, I believe that's the intent. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. well, the person who I don't care for is actually um, the little girl. <laughs> I don't like Kate's niece. Hmm. Um, I don't have that name uh, here, but I can I can look a, for it's it. It's a small role. Yeah, very small role. Yeah, I just i I think that it's overacted. Yeah. She yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't she wouldn't come into the bath or if she came into the bathroom, you wouldn't disobey your aunt like that. You wouldn't run into the bounce house with a marker thing and then rile your friends up to slam into her. That's, that seems like that wouldn't really not happen. Yeah, I agree. I would say that. You know what's weird is that I love um Favreau in this movie. You know, he's got like this crazy tight T-shirt on and he's like the UFC guy. It's he's really like teetering on the edge of going just too far with the character. Oh, but I think that's overacting for the win. Yeah, it works. It works. But in the wrong hands that that could have gone poorly. But I think he has a good enough Katie Mixon because she's just, uh, you know, his wife in the movie. She's she's just kind of always that over the top character in her in her performances she's able to like make it seem believable right but i think otherwise i could have gone sideways so anyway all right i think let's go with yours i think that the the niece it's tough to like bag on a little kid you know but (laughs) that's fine we'll we can do that why not (laughs) okay let's do casting what ifs so casting what ifs around this movie i guess could this movie have a a different well let's, let's let's merge this one with the recasting couch I don't know that there was any other people that were supposed to be in these roles originally. So let's just do the recasting couch. Could this movie work with other people? Who would you put in the lead instead of Vince Vaughn? Does this work? Uh, it would have to be someone funny, right? So if this was Will Ferrell. Is yeah, it, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Is it as funny? The problem, not the problem with Will Ferrell. I love Will Ferrell, but he's a funny guy. Right. Straight away, you think Will Ferrell, this is going to be hilarious and Vince Vaughn I don't think you think that so that sort of makes the movie funnier rather than like having to expect that there's going to be humor I I don't know does that make sense 100% yeah I think that Vince has a little bit of an edge to him and which which works in this because ultimately when we get to this kind of this pivotal moment in the movie and he's like I don't want that you know like this is what I said and I'm like 
you have to believe that he means it. And so right. he's not just goofy. He's not like the we're going streaking guy. Exactly. So I think it does work. I'm trying to think of who else could do it. Um, you know, Reese Witherspoon. Also, I think she could come off as kind of like uptight. Uh-huh. And yet she's very funny as well so like that's they pretty much nail those two and again i'm a little biased here it doesn't make for super interesting content if we just say they cast (laughs) it they cast it perfectly um but in terms of those people like i do i do actually think the leads are right i don't know if you put like jennifer aniston in that role uh, cause she seems maybe a little too like Hollywoody or something. I don't know. I think you could probably swap her. Okay. In, actually. Yeah. Maybe that's a good, maybe that's someone like her. Time. I don't know if like a Sandler could also do the lead for Christmas. No, I think you have the same Will Ferrell problem. Yeah. It has to be someone that's a little more, I don't know, like, like a little bad boy, a little bit like an edge. Yeah. Know, as we said. Okay. All right. Um, okay. How about let's do um apex mountain is this the apex mountain for any of the performers meaning like is this the best thing that any of these people have done no i think no however it's excellent across the board i think everyone plays their role so well that the movie is outstanding but i'm not sure that i can say you know what i think this is someone's peak performance Also, you know, I think to be fair, there are so many actors. It's not like, you know, the Revenant where it's like one person and that's okay. Maybe that's a lifetime peak. So, okay. Was that Sissy Spacex best role? No, but she does a great job. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 Um, Good call out on Sissy Spacex, by the way. We hadn't mentioned her. She's great in it. She is great in it. I would say it's not anyone's best work. But with like with what you're saying, it's like they're all throwing fastballs. Like there's they're all bringing their A game, which is what I think makes it work again. Which right. makes me so surprised that some of these reviews and ratings, and even just general apathy when I mention this movie as a as one of my favorites, <laughs> it's shocking to me. Oh, Graham is so disappointed by this. Yeah, I don't. I really don't understand. I think it's a huge miss. The, I think if you've watched it and you for some reason never rewatched it, come back to it because it's really funny and I think they're all performing well. I would say, okay, we're getting into picking nits now. So mm. for picking nits, you have a you have a big one. Why don't you hit us with it? I think it's I think it's a fair a fair take. My picking nits is that these people have a life together, right? They're sharing their home. They allude many times to these other Christmas vacations that they've gone on instead of visiting their families at Christmas on on Christmas. And yet, when they drive on Christmas Day to their four families, meaning they are close enough to be driving distance away, they are meeting these people, the parents and the brothers, etc., for the first time. That is ridiculous. That, that to me, that is. So such a big problem to be such a fun, believable movie and then also so unbelievable in that respect. My counter to this, I think it's a good take. My counter to this is that it's feasible, even if they only live 45 minutes away, let's say, that their interactions have been limited or that, you know, the girlfriend stays at home when he goes and sees his family or that. For four or five years? Yeah, it's They've okay. made life plans together, all this stuff. And they haven't driven 45 minutes for any holiday, for any birthday, for any health issue. 
I'm just saying, maybe they're at a group dinner and one person's sitting at one side of the table and one sitting at the other. No, no, they were meeting for the first time. Yeah. That's a problem. That was a that was an error. Yeah. All right. I mean, okay. I will go with that. I think for my picking it, it's a little different. Mine is more when I think about the movie. Really, it's you take Vince, you take Reese, you drop them into these scenarios, and it's basically like each house is so it's just obviously like set up to make the movie funny that you know if you if you aren't following along with the storyline and like invested into it you're like how could all these houses be so wacky basically oh but that's like life i mean i think and that's what makes the movie yeah it's but i guess what i'm saying is it's not subtle oh it's a rundown house with a guy and he's got beer and the guys are wearing ufc shirts the next one's super religious with the sister, with the super tan, with the kids. Like, well, I mean, I just feel like it's, they're all very, very specific places that, and like, you know, the mom's dating the high school friend. They're all, right. it's not, there's not, it's hitting you over the head with how out there each thing is. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a knit. I guess that's probably not the right category that I'm describing there. Um, picking knits like a detail that would be like, picking a knit might be like, they didn't make their flight to Fiji. And so they could have just gone to like a four star hotel and, you know. But then the movie doesn't happen. That's what I'm saying. That's like a knit. It's like, oh, they're forced to go to all four houses. Oh, I see. Why couldn't they just go to one and say that? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, but come on. You have to suspend your disbelief. Oh, okay. Here's what it is. I'm sorry. We, I had to work my way through this. Okay. Obviously, you can tell I did a lot of research before this. Picking knits would be the people would have to be on their couch watching the news for the three minutes that they're at the airport talking about okay. the flights not leaving yes they're just like oh we were we oh, were on chan- we were on cbs right. and one random lady interviewed us and now everyone in the world knows that we didn't and they're getting the phone calls like 30 seconds later right. and there's only one news channel and right. everyone's watching it yeah. yeah that's a tough one that's a tough one okay right. so i think i win that one Okay. Uh, uh, we already, I don't. Think well, so. uh, it's called calling around my brain with Graham Brown. So <laughs> there you go. Not calling around my brain with uh, Meredith Wardy. Okay. Is this movie better with Danny Trejo, Steve Buscemi, or Michael K. Williams? I don't know who any of those people are except for Steve Buscemi. So I'm going to say no, unless you swap Steve Buscemi for Robert Duvall. And even then, no. Probably not. Okay. I'm aligned. Now, I'm going to switch into just some other discussion, but the last one we'll do here is the Stephen A. Smith Hottest Take Award. So, like, what's your hottest take about this movie? Mine is that, as I've already said, it would be in my top five before It's a Wonderful Life mm-hmm. because I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. That's <laughs> so just... that's my take. Okay. What is yours? Oh. I... Your, your hottest take. Maybe your hottest take is you're picking knit. I mean, that is a really hot take. I think that's definitely the hottest take. Yeah. I haven't heard anyone else on our couch say that. So as far as I'm concerned, it's a very hot take. It is. <laughs> I've never heard anyone else say it. And I've only really discussed it with you. Okay. Now, let's go through a couple other things that I noted about this movie. And, and then we can we can take it from there. One thing I wanted to say about this movie that we haven't touched on is that it really does provide a glimpse into divorced life Christmases, right? Like a lot of people in terms of most Christmas movies, a lot of traditional movies, right? And this one's kind of funny because really going from house to house as a kid when you have divorced parents can be wildly different things. And so 
as an adult, I could see if you're married into that and your partner also has a divorced family, like you really could get a lot of wackiness. And I think that this movie captures some of that range that you're going to get as a result. So as a kid who was in a, you know, from a divorced family, I really think that this movie does the best job of any of capturing that experience. So I just wanted to kind of give a shout out to that. Um, the other one, which we haven't really talked about is, uh, Vince's use of his friends in this movie. So like we already talked about a little bit, but Peter Billingsley, his friend is the gate agent, right? And that was Ralphie from a Christmas story. He's in it. You have Favreau who was in swingers with him. You have, uh, his your dad. guy, Patrick Van Horn, his dad is in the movie in the church sitting behind him. That's his friend. That's very fun. He's but he's buddies with Dwight Yoakam, who plays the pastor. Oh, right. So oh, he's friends hmm. with him. So it's kind of, you know, pre Sandler and the Sandler does this in all his movies. It's kind of cool that Vince has this kind of crew. And this is before also, I think Favreau really just went behind the camera for directing. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he did Chef after this, Bob, probably, if I'd have to look at the timeline. But, like, seeing him in, as an actor in front of the camera for someone who grew up as, like, a huge Swingers and Maid fan was great. So I really like that. I really like that. I think all the people work well. It doesn't even feel like they're shoehorned in there. They actually... No, no, they fit perfectly well. Yeah, they yeah. fit perfectly well. So I like to know that, too. I think that makes it even more kind of warm and yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, again, we talked about there's a lot of one-liners and everything else and something else i thought that was funny as we get to christmas here we're still kind of in real life working through these is that people set rules for christmas so like in this one when they go to the dad's house there's a rule i think it's a five dollar spending limit five or ten dollar spending limit and he doesn't get that message right and like i feel like everyone has that experience where there's like there's Ugh. rules it's like well we're only going to spend this much with these people but then like what do you get them right right and like then someone's mad because they got more or they didn't get enough right or a tire we're going this is actually a pajama party and you're dressed fancy or whatever right right. right there's always a rule <laughs> that you miss or yeah. someone misses it's not always you know us it's missing often it. us. yeah it can <laughs> maybe that's unique to us but there's <laughs> It's just hard to keep up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like it's really hard to keep up with all the with all the rules. I think that Okay, the good. other thing yeah. that is worth mentioning is the the bit about mistletoe as the exit strategy. You want to speak to that? Oh, no, go ahead, please. I insist. Oh. Well, okay. So, as they are pulling up to um Brad's father's house, their first stop. Thank you. He's saying, you know, we need like a safe word, right? So that if things go sideways, we can kind of discreetly say that it's time to head out. And so they come up with mistletoe and you and I were talking about how that's kind of a good policy. Like that's maybe a takeaway from the movie. That's a good policy to have. It doesn't have to be mistletoe, but um, to have some kind of word that, but it has to be a word. No, it can't be like elephant unless you're regularly discussing elephants. It has to be a word that both will stand out to your partner as the safe word and also will not be used so much in normal conversation that it seems like you're always using the safe word. I right? totally agree. I totally agree. It's like a social safe word. Yeah. You should have a word. It just is. indicates like we're going to go to this party and we both need to have the ability. And when we say like double cheers instead of just cheers. Right. It means that's, that's a wrap. <laughs> totally agree. Because sometimes you're just on another side of the room and you're like, well, looks like they're having I'm a great having time. I'm having a good time. This guy must be too. Yeah. 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 So we got to get, I agree. I think everyone yeah, should, we should adopt that. 
this is a small one that I wanted to point out, but something we had talked about before was how they're doing a lot of driving in what appears to be a Range Rover in this movie. And I want to just give credit here that it looks very real. It looks like they're actually driving a Range Rover, not just sitting in some green screen, whether in a car. And I know that you were actually surprised. I am so upset by this. Yeah. I have thought until today that that's what was going on. So you think they've just got like what like um like, like a, a mounted camera like a mounted in a car. gopro yeah that they then transfer over what about a GoPro? yeah whatever kind of camera <laughs> and they're in it i mean yes and driving around and the scenery is passing them by well we'll have to be uh check into some of the film production to see if they were actually like but I, you're saying that this is what's going on in all I'm movies. I'm saying that 99% of the, no, I mean, not all movies, but many times for car scenes, they're in front of a green screen oh and they're gosh. in a car. And so it looks very fake. The person's like, and I'm know. thinking, Ooh, what car is this that these people are driving? Not they're a never, car. ever driving it right. They're like, oh hands my. aren't really no, doing I know. There's a lot of like looking away from the. Yeah, they're not doing... And it actually appears like he's driving. Okay. You know what I just thought of? Another mm. nit to pick. Can I say it quickly? Yes, go ahead. The other thing that's bothered me, it's not going to trump my previous one, which is mm-hmm. the winner. Can't say trump. Is that... <laughs> see? Can't say yeah. trump. Yeah. Um, is that at the end, so they visited the four people. They've come to this, you know, kind of at the end. seems like they're going to be moving forward in a new direction for themselves as a couple. The movie ends. They're in a hospital. One year later, pops up on the screen one year later, and they've had this baby. So we're supposed to believe that after all of these visits, there's no follow-up. We will not be seeing these people for a year. And in that year, by the way, it takes like 10 months to have a baby. So right away, they get pregnant after all this not getting pregnant stuff. Then they get pregnant and have this baby again without telling any of these people. And then again, I mean, of course, that's part of the humor again is that it's televised and everything. But like, what? That... I don't know. Always at the end, I'm like, oh, come on. So, hold on. So, just to confirm, they, they're, it's a year later. To your point, they weren't even sure they wanted to be married. At one point, they were going to break up while they're, while they're in the movie. Right. Now they're having a baby. It's only one year later. Do right. they? This says one year later. One year later. One year later, and now you're saying the camera crews come back in because it was a First New Year's baby, baby right. right? And none of the family is there. And are they, again, trying to hide the fact that they had yes, a baby? Yes, no, they haven't told anybody that she was pregnant. Got and so it. they're shocked and Brad Pitt, or <laughs> Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Vince Vaughn playing this person, Brad, mm. is so stunned because the camera is on him. And he says, oh, we did it, we did it. And then the throwing up happens, remember? That's Got it, yeah, yeah. Now, what like, about Brad Pitt? Well, uh, would you like to say about Brad Pitt? You could swap Brad Pitt <laughs> on. <laughs> okay, okay. Take, take it easy. Uh, okay. I would like to say, first of all, thank you, because this was very enjoyable. But I also want to, before I get to my accolades for your fine work today, oh. I would like to say that what I think I really like about this movie, sincerely, is that it's very funny, but that there there is an underlying like sweetness to the movie, which is that, you know, at the outset of this movie, they're in some dance studio which only couples that are getting married go to, right? Right before they're going to get married. And there's this young couple. And they basically give this young couple like this whole speech about why they don't need the title, how it means nothing, and it causes all these problems. And like, there's like this association with their family that 
is also just causes difficulties and everything else. And it's like at the at that point in the movie, what's funny is that everything that comes after would seem to prove that point, right? Like, oh my God, what a hot mess. Everything that happens after. It's almost like, have they been right the whole time? But there's something that's sweet about the movie that's while all that may actually be true, maybe not as you know crazy as their experience, mm-hmm. they do, I believe, unless unless this pregnancy scene at the end is just nullifies what I'm saying, but they seem to come to the conclusion that while all the craziness is indeed crazy, it does make life have like a little more meaning and that they, you shouldn't just fly away to some island. Fiji, well, I think that's example. why they have to have her mother's house with the father there and everyone feeling warm yeah. as the last family unit. In the right. End. Yeah. Because that's when the realization is ha- really happening. Yeah. yeah. I think, and I think that that's, you know, it's a sweet message and it's a good one around this time of the year as everyone who's listening to this, I'm sure is stressed out, maybe oh. going to family where there's going to be something weird said or some gift that's probably not appropriate or you're going to get shortchanged or whatever the deal is. It's a nice reminder that um, even though it might not all be roses, you know, it's all part of uh, what you consider a wonderful life. Oh, we saw what you did there. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, I want to really thank you. Thank you for coming on and speaking about it for Christmases. I know you've been made to watch it Quite a Se- number of times. Several times. And uh, really think you brought a lot to the experience. So oh, well, I do too. I appreciate that. Ladies and gentlemen, Meredith Wardy. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that'll do it for the podcast this week. Thanks for listening to Crawling Around My Brain. I hope you have a safe and happy holiday with your loved ones and an even better new year. We will be back in 2024 with some more episodes, great guests, and compelling interviews. Thanks again for the support this year. It's been a lot of fun for me to do it and hope you're enjoying it. Take care, everybody.